right, guys, we have been on an ACC basketball roll lately. I mean, we've had we've had guys from Carolina. We've had a lot of Clemson guys here lately. Grayson Marshall, Vince Hamilton, Chris Michael. And we've had a lot of state guys. Rodney Monroe, uh, Todd Fuller, to name a few. Now I'm going to get, you know, my, you know, I'm trying to get a little bit of every, every school in the conference, especially the original eight. And now I'm getting my first Wake Forest guy. And this guy, man, he was there when, when there was a resurgence in Wake Forest basketball. He's one of the guys that led that resurgence. Ended up having a great career at Wake. Had a good career in the NBA overseas. I mean, did, this guy played with some great guys. And like I said, Wake Forest basketball, this is what started out when you had the whole Randolph Childress, the, the uh, Rodney Rogers, and so forth. This guy was one of them that was there from the start. I'm talking about Mr. Chris King. Welcome to the show, Mr. King. Thank you a lot. Thank you for having me, Stevie. Yes, sir. Thank you for being on. I, you know, you grew up in Newton Grove, North Carolina. Now, growing up in North Carolina, I won't say you were either, you had to be one of three basketball fans. I'm, I'm pretty much figuring. Were you? Who did you pull for growing up as far as college basketball? Well, I was a big Carolina fan because my high school coach, his name was Kenny Bass, and he loved Dean Smith, and, you know, they recruited me when I was in high school, but I really was a Carolina fan coming up out of, you know, out of the high school, so I thought that was where I was going to end up at, but unfortunately I didn't go that route, so, but I was a Carolina fan when I was in high school. Right, right. Was there, was there any other sports besides basketball that you played in high school? Oh, yeah, I did a lot of sports. I think I, I mean, I played all the sports. I played uh, basketball, football. I ran track. Um, also played a little bit of baseball for a year. But um, I was, you know, I drove the school bus, too, as well, for three years while wow. I was in high school. So a lot of people might not know that about me, but I did have a route every morning, and I, I did drive the school bus. But, uh, no, nah, I pretty much played everything in high school. Yeah, you're, people don't remember, kids these days don't remember when they actually let students ride, that drive the school buses. I remember that back in the day. Uh, when did you know basketball was going to be what, what got you to the next level? Well, that's a great story because I was playing, I think we were playing against Wallace Road Hill one night in a football game, and I was playing receiver, and I... Um, I went up to catch a pass, and one of the big boys from Wallace Roseville, Roseville hit me so hard, I just laid there on the field, and I was like, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to play this sport. <laughs> so I think that, that's what really changed my mind. And then my high school football coach at the time, Coach Britt, he, he kept telling me I was, I was a little sissy because I quit right there in the middle of the game. But I was like, it's got to be something easier than this. <laughs> so that that really made me change my mind and go to basketball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was your favorite your favorite memory in high school, favorite game, basketball game in high school that you played? Um, now that I can recall, I had so many great uh, memories in high school. But the one was we were in the semifinals and playing against St. Paul. It was a team, little small school down in North Carolina. They had some big guys down there. And um, it was a battle. I can remember looking in the stands. I seen Coach Dean Smith, Bob Stack, Jim Vibrano. So we had a lot of people coming to watch that game. And um, and it was just a great battle, man. I just uh, I just remember playing in the semifinals. And 
they had a couple of big guys down there, and I think I had like 30 points and 12 rebounds, but it was one of the greatest games, and we ended up losing, so we got knocked out, and we wasn't able to win, you know, to win the state championship. Right. But I can remember that was one of my greatest moments right there in high school, and I also had a battle with a guy named Anthony Oliver. I don't know if a lot of people remember him, but he went to UVA yes, and yes. played at North Duplin High School. I remember, I remember Anthony Oliver. Oliver, he was a tough guy. There, that was a, he, yes, and he was another guy that I was very fond of. We had a lot of battles in high school, and you know, I had some great memories with North Duplin High School at that time. Okay, so what school? When well, you talked about Carolina recruited you, and of course Wake Forest. What schools besides those two were were trying to get you to come play basketball for? Well, I got a, a scholarship offer from almost every school in the country, um, but I wanted to narrow it down after talking to my high school coach. He was like, you just stay in the state of North Carolina. So uh, North Carolina, NC State, Duke, um, of course, Wake Forest, uh, University of Tennessee, and those were the five schools that I took a visit to. And um, so I had a scholarship offer to almost every school in the country. But just to make the decision, you know, just so it wouldn't be so tough, I just stuck with North Carolina schools only. And the out-of-state schools, I just, you know, scratched off my list. Okay. What what was the deciding factor that made you pick Wake Forest? Well, you know, I had a – it was a very strange experience because on my visit, they flew down in a little teleplane to, to, to take me back to Western Salem, and I'd never been on a plane before. You know, you're talking about a small kid from Newton Grove, North Carolina, who's never flown before, and he says, you know, we're going to fly you back to Winston, it's quicker. So I get on the plane, and Coach Jerry Wainwright, who was the assistant coach at the time, he was like, would you like to fly? And I was like, really? So he gave me, you know, they let me, they let me fly the plane for a little while, and I thought that was very exciting, and I was just so excited about that. And that was really the tipping point for me. Once I was able to get on that plane and he convinced me and he let me fly, and I was like, man. <laughs> so it made my decision a little easier. <laughs> now, you you talked about uh, Coach Bob Sack. What was it like playing for Bob Sack? Because you, you, you said he had a lot to, to do with the reason you picked Wake Forest. Oh, man, I love Coach Sack. I thought he was great. He was uh he was a player's coach, you know. He was one of the guys, I think he was a um, uh, North guy or a Midwest guy. I can't remember exactly where he was from, but I just remember him coming out of my high school. He was there almost every day in my PE class. You know, at sixth period, I'm looking up and we have to play some pickup. In the gym, here comes Coach Stack or someone from Wake Forest was always there, even during the, you know, even if it wasn't a, a game going on, he was just there to watch me play in high school in a pickup game. So, you know, Coach Stack was more hands-on, and he seen me play about three or four times against North Duplin, and I just loved the way he was, and he was just straight up. And, you know, you couldn't come to Wake Forest, you're going to be able to change the, play, uh, the program around, and he convinced me, you know, you come in, you'll probably be able to, you know, start right away, and that's exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, and he goes on to be have a long time, long time assistant NBA coach. I actually was an interim coach in the NBA for for a short period with uh, the Bullets. But yeah, Bob Stack was one of those one of those great coaches out there. Uh, talk a little bit about the first time you put on a Wake Forest jersey and come out in Memorial Coliseum at the time. 
play your first regular right. season game against Richmond. What was it like, that feeling, you know, I'm here at this next level now, I'm a Wake Forest, Demon Deacon, this is my first game. What was it like coming out for that first game? Oh, man, it was kind of nerve-wracking because you're talking about a, a kid from a small town in Newton Grove, you know, about to play Division One football. And once I slid on that jersey, that number 44 jersey, <laughs> I was like, wow, I finally made it here. Because, you know, growing up, you know, in high school, you had a lot of people saying, oh, you can't make it at Wake Forest. It's tough academically. I mean, it's a big school. I mean, it's a good school. And, you know, and I just used that as motivation to kind of push me. But, you know, just going into the old Memorial Coliseum, I just like, wow, I finally made it here. And I can't remember if we were playing Towson State was the first game I played. I want to say Towson State at the time. And, uh, man, it was just uh, my heart was racing. I, I think I ran down the court about four or five times and I was asking to come out. My <laughs> you were gassed already, so weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, and, then, and then your first your your first ACC game, regular season ACC game, you guys have to go to Cameron to take on number one Duke. How, what was it like, you know, your first ACC game, getting thrown right into the fire with the Cameron crazes and with number one Duke. And you guys end up losing a close game over that Cameron by six. But, you know, you kind of just right, thrown right into the fire. That's one of the toughest crowds to play against in the country. Oh, man, it was it was just unbelievable. You're talking about a great basketball experience. I mean, and I never knew that the fans were just so close to the court. Yeah. It just felt like you were in a high school gym and, it was it was nerve wracking, man. You know, especially the first three or four minutes, man. Your jawline was just so high. You're playing against this team, Duke. You had Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley and some McDonald's All Americans. So, you know, I was just kind of up for the task because I had already met Christian Leitner because when I was in high school, I was chosen as Converse All American, and he was as well. So, we all went to a camp in New Jersey. In Preston, New Jersey, is where I first met Christian Lakner, but I didn't know he was going to be at Duke at the time. So during that first game, it was just a great memory of me and him seeing each other again since we hadn't seen each other in high school. And you know, after the first four or five minutes, it was it was it was probably nerve wracking. But after that, I settled down a little bit, and and I just I was just here now. I just yeah. telling myself, I was like, I'm here now. Once you can play at Duke. You can almost play anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I talked to a lot of the the old school ACC players about this. Uh, playing at a place like Cameron or playing at like NC State before they moved at Reynolds. Don't you think in, in Carolina, even Carolina at Carmichael, I know you never got a chance to play at Carmichael, but don't you think, and maybe it's just me being old school, and I know it's more of, of a business point of view nowadays than it was back then, but don't you think that, they gave up an incredible home court advantage when they moved from places like Reynolds Coliseum. Because I remember Reynolds was so hot, they had the noise meter, the crowd, like Cameron, was right there on you. Don't you think it kind of gave away a home court advantage that NC State had at the time? Oh, most definitely. I felt like that's why Duke is still probably, you know, as good as they are. They always kept that small gymnasium and felt like they had an extra, you know, man there. Yeah. That goes with Reynolds and Carmichael. Even though I didn't play in Carmichael when when I was getting recruited, I, um, I you know Dean Smith and them invited me. I went to see Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller play in the Carmichael, and I just thought it was a great place to play. But you one hundred percent right. 
when these gyms got bigger with the revenue so big, it just kind of took away and it pushed the fans back further so you don't feel like you have that six-man advantage anymore. Exactly, exactly. You guys go on and you, you have a rematch with Duke. You're playing at Greensboro Coliseum. Number one, still number one in the nation. You guys get the upset, 75-71. What was it like beating, give, giving old Leitner an a, a, a L on that night, getting the W over them? Oh, man, it was great because, you know, that's the one thing that we always wanted to do and all the students and the fans and the, the alumni at Wake Forest. If you beat Duke in North Carolina was the two biggest ones that, know that we got ourselves up ready to play for so if you want to play duke or north carolina back then there, there was no reason you know you didn't need no excuses you knew you was going to have to play hard and bring your best game and that was just exciting just to knock them off and you know it, it kind of got us going in the right direction that we could probably be anybody in the country at that time yeah definitely definitely and talk a little bit we talked a little bit about before we started the interview talk a little bit about that ACC competition back then, because we, you know, like we said earlier, you never in the ACC, especially back then, you never had a night off. It won't ever going out. Okay, there, even even the last place team in the conference, you never had a night off. You had to, like you said earlier, I'll let you take do the commercial thing, but you always had to had to be on your be on your best game when you played against any of the ACC schools. Oh, most definitely. If you if you didn't come bring your A game, I didn't care if the team was in the first place or the last place. The ACC was very tough, and it still is to this day. Yeah. Somewhat, you know, you got to bring your A game. It was a game where you, it's like you said earlier, they had so many great players on every team. So, you know, if you didn't bring your A game, you could get blown out. And a lot of times, you know, guys didn't come with their A games, and you'd end up, you know, taking a bad loss. But for the most part, you know, it was just a great competition. I mean, if you could play in the ACC, I felt like you could probably play anywhere at that time. I mean, you had to most definitely bring your A game with guys like Christian Leitner, Tom Gugliotta. I mean, you had J.R. Reed, and you had a lot of teams back there, a lot of great players in there. Hubert Davis, a lot of people probably don't remember him. Oh, Brian yeah. Stiff, one of my good friends who played at UVA. I mean, I mean, any team that you named at the time, Georgia Tech had – Matt Geiger and Kenny Anderson, and I mean, you can start down the list, man. It was just Maryland had Walt Williams and Tony Massenburg. I mean, it was just a a big battle. But my my favorite battle was the Davis boys that played at Clapton Dale and um, Elton Campbell. I mean, it was just a great battle, man. You most definitely had to bring your A game almost every night. Yeah, they they were definitely a, a, a terrible twosome right there. Talk about. The first ACC tournament you you got to at the Omni in Atlanta. What was that atmosphere like that week going into that with your first ACC tournament? I mean, it was uh, you know I think it was a great atmosphere. I mean, we just you know it's just every year we play the ACC tournament, and you know if you wanted to get into the NCAA tournament and you didn't play that well during the regular season, the ACC tournament could be a big difference of whether you got in or you didn't get into March Madness. So. You know, we took the ACC tournament as a chance to, you know, win a couple games in there. You get the momentum, no telling what might happen. But it was just a great experience. It's one that I'll never forget for four years. I played in the ACC tournament, and it was just a great experience of my whole life. I mean, just playing the tournament the whole weekend and just seeing the fans and people, how they supported the ACC tournament, it was just great. 
Yeah, and then your sophomore year, Coach Stack leaves. What What was your feelings like when when you heard Coach Stack was leaving? Well, I was, you know, I was torn a little bit that you know he was leaving because, like I said before, he was the guy that recruited me and spent a lot of time around me. And you know, when I found out that, I almost wanted to transfer. And um, when they had said Jerry Wainwright was staying, that was a big difference because he was on the staff with Bob Stack and. You know, he was a great recruiter as well. He spent a lot of time at my high school, and he was just a great coach, great person. I think Wainwright was from Chicago, tough guy, and he stayed on me. And, you know, I think that was the biggest reason that I ended up staying when Coach Stack left because of Coach Jerry Wainwright at the time. But, you know, I really wanted to play for Coach Stack. But when Coach Odom came in, you know, he just talked to me as well and said, you know, we're going to use you you know, to, to, to build an offense through along with Rodney Rogers. And, you know, if you stay here, we can turn this program around. So, you know, I just that just was enough to convince me to stay there and be a demon deacon. Yeah, and, and your second year, you really step up. You average 16.1 points a game, 3.9 rebounds. Uh, what were your first impressions of, that, of Coach Odom, though? But, you know, he, he came from UVA. He was, you know, tutelage under Coach Terry Holland at the time. And, you know, my first impression was I thought with athletes we had, we'd, we'd run more because we had Anthony Tucker who came in as a transfer from, from Georgetown and Rodney and myself. But it was more slow down, you know, throw the ball inside. It's kind of like the way UVA plays so I could tell. You know, because we would play each other, Wake Forest and UVA, and the score would be almost the same because we almost ran the same type of offense, slow down, sub-defense, you know, 60-50 score. And, you know, a lot of players wanted to run more. They felt like we would be better if we run. But, you know, Coach Odom wanted to slow it down and get the ball into me and Rodney. And, you know, for the most part, it worked out. And, you know, I just, you know, I love Coach Odom. He was honest with me. He, you know, he came straight forward with me. We're going to get the ball inside of you and Rodney. And, you know, that was just the biggest thing that I wanted to do was to help the team win and, you know, help us get on the map. And Coach Odom is a big reason for that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then you uh, you guys start off a pretty good, pretty good start. You go 6-1, and one, including a, a upset win over number 20 Alabama at Lawrence Joe. But talk about – let's start talking about some of your teammates you had there. One guy that, that kind of stood out to me that didn't really get a lot of the credit back then, but I just remember Robert Siler. What was it like playing with Robert Siler? Well, me and Robert Siler were roommates when, when, I, when I first got to Wake Forest. And, you know, I loved playing with Rob. Rob could jump out of the gym. Robert Siler was one of the highest-jumping guys I had ever seen when I got down in uh, Wake Forest. And um, – he just didn't get enough credit, and, you know, I just I just loved the way Rob approached the game. He was very quiet. He went about his business, and, you know, he was a great athlete, and I love Rodney, uh, Robert Siler. I just thought that he didn't get enough publicity, as you were saying. Yeah. And he was just one of the guys from North Carolina, North Carolina kids, played tough, played hard, very good athlete. Love Rodney, uh, Robert Siler. Now, who, who did you consider – when you while you were at Wake Forest to be your big your biggest ACC rivalry there. Uh, I would say at that time it was probably NC State. Okay. Um, they had Tom Gugliotta, Chris Corciani, Rodney Monroe, Chucky Brown was on that team. I can remember 
slammed them in the ACC tournament. We went to one of the longest four overtime games in the <laughs> ACC tournament. I think it was four overtime. And um, it was in Greensboro. But NC State was probably our big rivalry at that time. And uh, I could just remember a lot of battles going on, even at the Reynolds Coliseum and back at the um, the um, the uh, Joel Coliseum where, where we are now. Yeah, what, and talking about the Joel Coliseum, what was it like playing there? Because that was kind of the the new new place there. What was it like playing at Lawrence Joel back then? Oh man, when they first rebuilt it, you know, the floor it looked like it was parquet. So I just thought it was a beautiful constructed, you know, gymnasium and arena, and it was just beautiful. And once we got to practice on it and play on it, it was just uh, it was just a great place to play. Until now, they did a great job. You know, in designing the floor, and it should be a great place to play for a long time. I really enjoyed it. The games were great. The the fans were great. So it was just a great place to Lawrence Joel. We about time we had our own building when we came in. You know, I think a couple of years, like you said, I played in the old gymnasium, yeah. and once they built the Lawrence, man, it was just a, a blessing. Yeah, you guys end up having a three-game winning streak at the end of the season. Uh, wins over Maryland, uh, Virginia at University Hall, and then State at Reynolds. So did you feel like that was kind of building momentum, not, not just for the ACC tournament, but building momentum for the next year? Yes, and that's what it was all about. You know, you wanted to get better going in towards, you want to be better in the latter part of the season than you were in the, in the, in the beginning. So, you know, Coach Odom preached that, just get better every day. And we went on that three-game winning streak at the end right there. And, you know, basically you want to carry that into the next season. You know, you got the, you got the players. Now you just want to put everything together. And um, I think the biggest thing was Randolph Childers, my senior year, he came in and he tore his ACL, and he wasn't able to play with us my senior year. And I think that was uh, a big piece of the puzzle that we needed that year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Talk a little bit about another one of your teammates that was uh... – that left at the end of your sophomore season, Sam Ivey. How, how was it playing with Sam Ivey? Well, you know, I love Sam. Sam was, Sam was, um, he was there before, uh, before we got there when I first met Sam. And, you know, Sam was a great player. He was the only one there to kind of hold it together for Wake Forest when we got there because they didn't have many athletes. But Sam was uh, probably the best athlete they had at the time until me and Rodney got there. But, you know, Sam was a great guy. He, he taught us to roll, showed us what to do and, and how to approach the practices. And, you know, Sam was a great guy to have on the team at the time because he was the guy with the leadership. And uh, we looked up to Sam on, on a lot of things. Yeah, and then and then your junior year, you guys improved from 12 to 16 to 19 to 11. Rodney Rogers comes in. Randolph Childress comes in. What was it like? And, and I will tell you this, and I and I, people say I'm crazy, think I'm crazy when I say this, but I honestly think Rodney Rogers is one of the most underrated players to ever play in the ACC. And I, I hear me out, as great as he was, I don't think he got enough credit for what he and for as good of a player he is. Just simply because you had the Leitners there, you had these, all these other players from all the other teams around the league. Rodney Rogers was one of the, in my opinion, one of the top ten ACC players of that era. I would even go say top five. I yeah. mean, he was like he was like one of the, 
and you're exactly right. There were just so many good players in the ACC when he came in that he kind of fell under the radar a little bit, and I think he did leave his junior year, so he didn't stay four years, but Rodney was a beast, man. He was my Zion. When people say about Zion Williams, I said, well, there was Rodney Rogers before Zion Williams, <laughs> so I always compare them. And, um, you know, Rodney was just a great player, and you're exactly right. He just didn't get enough credit. Yeah, do you, I mean, you look at this front line that you guys had. You, Rodney Rogers, Anthony Tucker, I mean, you guys you had an incredible front line. And then you throw Robert Childress, Randolph Childress and Robert Siley in there. You guys had, had the pieces there for to, to make a run, and you guys did make a run that year. You make the NCAA tournament that year. What was it like going to the big dance of March Madness for the first time? Oh, man, that was great. I can remember, if I want to say we were in Atlanta, I'm not 100% for sure it's been so long, but we were playing, we were playing um, Louisiana Tech. I think P.J. Tucker was on that team. And they had another guy by the name of last name was Davey. But there we beat we ended up beating Louisiana Tech and um, we had to play Alabama again the next night with Robbie Horry, Melvin Cheatham. I mean, they had five NBA players on their team. So it was just a great experience. I mean, playing March Madness. I think I had been there a couple of years and hadn't made it, but Man, just to play in the March Madness was just one of the biggest things I wanted to do when I came to Wake Forest was try to get to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and another, another guy, one of your teammates there that we talked a little bit about earlier, Randolph Childress, one of the greats in Wake Forest basketball. What was he like, would like to play with Randolph Childress in the short time you got to play with him? Well, like I said, I was a senior and he came in, so I didn't get to play a full season with him in the, in the ACC because my – Senior year, he tore his ACL. Yeah. So, just playing with him and pick up games before he did that, I was like, this is the piece we've been looking for. We needed somebody that wasn't afraid, and Randolph wasn't afraid. He could shoot it. I mean, he could pass it. I mean, he was the player we had needed at that time, but I missed that year with not playing with him because of his ACL tear. But, man, I think we could have gone a long way if, I'd have had, if we'd have had him that year. Yeah, your senior year, you guys go to 17-12, and 12, but like you said, losing a key piece like that, I think you guys had, had a big run in you, I'll put it that way, if, if you don't lose him. And you had a freshman come in, uh, well, I don't know if he was a freshman at the time, but talk a little bit about Trelawney Owens. That's another guy that, that was just a, I mean, he could do a little bit of everything. He didn't do one thing great, but he did everything good. What, what was Trelawney Owens like? Love Trelawney. He's one of my North Carolina boys from Bladenboro. And once we got him, that just made the front line, like you said, more stacked. And he was just a, a wide-body guy, athletic guy that could take up space and knock down the jumper. And, you know, Coach Odom used to ride him a lot because he wanted to get the best out of Tree because sometimes Tree would relax. Trelawney would relax. And, and we needed Tree to play hard all the time, but Tree was a, a great player, a great addition to the line, but he was just young, and um, as he went along and grown, he he gotten better and gotten better, but I was gone by that time. But Tree definitely helped us a lot because we needed another athletic big body, and Tree gave us that. Yeah, and there's something about you guys had Duke's number. You guys get the upset win again over number one Duke again. 
uh, in the regular season. Beat them again at, at Lawrence Joe. I know. What was it like feeling when the crowd? I know the crowd ran on the court because anytime you beat the number one team on your home court, they have to do that. That's an unwritten rule there. What was it like with that crowd? What was the atmosphere like after beating Duke at Lawrence Joe? Oh man, that was the most beautiful scene ever because we <laughs> we knocked them off again. And I don't think I had a great game that game, but I can remember Anthony Tucker playing well and Rodney playing well and. We all played well, that, you know, and we won that game, and the fans stormed the floor, and and I can remember going back on campus and seeing the toilet paper on the trees when it been <laughs> rolled, and it was just one of the greatest experiences of my college career, and, you know, just to beat them twice in the four years I was there, man, it was just one of the most greatest college experiences I could ever share. And then you, uh, we have to talk about this guy, too, because he was there with you. For most of you, you talked about him transferred from Georgetown. Anthony Tucker. How was Anthony Tucker to play with? Love Anthony Tucker, boy. I, I mean, the surprising thing about Anthony Tucker was I didn't really know who he was. So once he <laughs> came in, you know, the guy, one of the coaches came to me and said, we got a transfer coming in from uh, from Georgetown. And I was like, oh, okay. His name's Anthony Tucker. I was expecting this six-foot-one point guard or somebody. This guy's six-nine. Could, play, could handle the basketball like a point guard, had a nice shot, and you could just tell he was an up-north guy from, from D.C. Nothing, nothing could shake him, and he was just a great player. I, I thought he would probably do well in the NBA, but unfortunately that didn't work out, but I just thought he was just a great player. He was just one of the toughest players I had to guard. Yeah, did you guys make the NCAA tournament again? You end up losing to Louisville. What, what was the feeling like knowing that you played your last game at Wake Forest? I'm sure you, you kind of had a feeling you were going to, to continue your career in the NBA, but what was it like knowing that you had play, played your last game at Wake Forest? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's coming to an end. You know, you've been there four years, and, you know, you hate to, you hate to see that day come because, you know, basketball and, you know, ACC is about to be done. So playing the last game, it was just it was just nerve-wracking just to know. And at the time, I had, you know, lost my mother uh, when I was younger. And, you know, my uncle came came to the last game at the door for me to play. And, you know, it was just, uh, you know, it was just an experience that you'll never forget. You hope it don't end, but you know after four years it's going to end. So, you know, it was just, you know, I look back on it and I was very fond of all the things that we had accomplished in the four years. And uh, we left the program in a better place than it was. And that's the whole goal. Yeah, you, you definitely, like I said earlier, you led the resurgence of Wake Forest basketball. Goes on, you know, Coach Dave Odom uh, goes on with, you know, with Randolph Childers, Tim Duncan, players like that, that they go on and have an incredible, incredible program there at Wake Forest. So the NBA draft comes along. Did you have any teams contact you? I'm sure you did. Any teams contact you about drafting you? Oh, man, I was so excited because um, I had Minnesota call me, the Timberwolves, and they were like, okay, we're going to we're gonna fly you in, work you out. I probably worked out for seven, eight, nine, maybe nine NBA teams. I just didn't know where I was going to go at the time, but I was just going to these different NBA teams working out and, Minnesota was very impressed, and they wanted to take me early in the first round. 
but they ended up taking a guy by the name of Chris Smith and played at UConn. Right. And um, I thought that, you know, they had told my agent they were going to draft me at 32 or something like that, and they ended up with Chris Smith. And I just kept waiting around. And, you know, like I said, I ended up being a second-round draft pick to the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, you go into a Supersonics team that, you know, is is stacked. I mean, you, you guys were stacked. Uh, you had Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Sam Perkins, among others. And, and uh, you know, your first year there, what was it like getting into that atmosphere? Uh, I know you played 15 games for the, in the 93-94 season. But what was it like getting in that atmosphere with all those stars on the uh, Supersonics team? Oh, man, it was, you know, you, you first of all, you're mesmerized for a while because <laughs> these are some of the guys that you watched when you were coming up, like Sam Perkins. I watched him at Carolina, wow. and I got a chance that I knew Sean Kemp because I had seen him in the Nike camp in Princeton, and I just knew he was a great athlete, and Gary Payton was, I was his rookie, and you could only imagine some of the stuff that I had to do for him, but. In the same token, it was just like a, it, I was just at awe until I could finally say to myself, oh, man, I'm athletic enough. I mean, you had Nick McMillan. Yeah. He was on that team. And like I said, Detlef Shrimp, who was a great player, who who just gave me the business almost every day in practice. And, man, it was just it was just a great experience. I learned a lot from those guys. Yeah, you make you make your only playoff appearance in the NBA. Unfortunately, it's the, one of the one of the big upsets in NBA history. The Nuggets, the number eight seed, beat the number one seed SuperSonics. But your coach there, you got to play for a coach like George Carl. And it, you know, a lot of people talk about he was he was a great coach, no doubt about it. Carolina guy. What was it like playing for George Carl? I love playing for George. George George used to ride me all the time because he goes. You know, I'm, I'm like, Gary, why is Coach Carl always riding me? He said, because he likes you, Chris King. If he don't say anything to you, that's when you got to worry. Exactly. Coach Carl, would always, <laughs> Coach Carl would always push me. And um, he was like, I know at Wake Forest y'all didn't play no defense. Because <laughs> he was a Carolina guy, like I said. So he would always push me back and forth with the Wake Forest and North Carolina thing. And he was like, Chris King, I know you can play defense better than that. Oh, I forgot you went to Wake Forest. So oh. I was always, you know, I'm a rookie guy, so I'm running around asking the other players, like, why is Coach Carl always riding me? And they was like, oh, man, if you don't, if he ain't riding you, you're in trouble. So, you know, I just, he, he really, you know, took me under his wing. He would keep me out to practice and work with me and told me, you know, before you get off this bench, you will have to do a lot of things, Mr. King. And, <laughs> you know, Coach Carl really was a big, you know, big help to me of a prolong in my career. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I, I, I coach a football team at a small private school I went to school at, and I've been coaching for about 10 years. And I always tell them, you know, when when I have to get on, some, on one of them about something, I said, if I'm getting on you, that means I know you can do better. If I don't say right. anything to you, that's when you really need to worry. I mean, right? <laughs> so yeah, I always I think use that, that. I think that's a, I think that's a great approach because you know that's the that's the thing I've learned. You know, growing up through the professional level, when the coach don't talk to you or he ain't getting on you, you might be in trouble. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> so you go on, you go on to play. With Vancouver, their first year. What was it like playing for a first-year expansion team? 
Oh, man, that was beautiful. I mean, Canada was like a beautiful country, and I've never been to Canada, so they were like, uh, you know, you got you got drafted in the expansion draft. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, you're going to Vancouver. I mean, at the time, I'm like, expansion draft. They was like, yeah, Vancouver took you second in the uh, expansion draft. And, you know, we go to Vancouver, and it's just beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful places. The arena was beautiful. The fans loved it. I mean, we were sold out. I mean, it was just it was just a great experience. I started 70 games yeah. and small forward. Um, I mean, I just had a great time. I also got a chance to meet Linda Carter, who was Wonder Woman at the time. <laughs> she was from Canada. Yeah. And she was like my biggest hero because I used to love watching her growing up. Oh, and yeah. And, you know, watching the show Wonder Woman when I growing up as a kid. And just to meet her in person, man, it was just a highlight of my life. Yeah, that now I remember watching Wonder Woman when I was growing up. She was she was a she was pretty. I'll say she was a hottie back then, definitely. And she still. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've seen her. I had. It's been a while since a couple years since I've seen her, but she hadn't changed much. She's aged pretty well. Yeah. Hey man, she has not changed much. She, I told her when I first saw her in Vancouver, she said, "You still look like Wonder Woman to me." <laughs> <laughs> so you, you you talk about playing in Vancouver. You got a chance to uh, get some revenge on those Minnesota Timberwolves that didn't draft you when they said they were. You get a tip in at the on a Byron Scott miss at the buzzer, and uh, your home opener to beat the Timberwolves in overtime. So that had to be a. I mean, I, I know you, I just say NBA game, but that had to be pretty sweet to get a, a tip in win over Minnesota after the after the uh, way they said they were going to draft you. Oh man, it was one of the biggest highlights of my life, and it wasn't nothing. Was also on that team at the time was Christian Leitner, and that made it even more special. <laughs> now you know <laughs> I was at the battle with him all these years in college, and now I'm playing in Minnesota, and we're an expansion team, and we were expected to lose that game. And you know, me getting the winning tip in, and then the and the and the teammates grabbing me. I think I have a picture of that where they're holding me and. I got both the arms in the air. I mean, it was sold out that night. It was just a great feeling in, in all different perspectives. It was just great. Yeah, that that had that had to be pretty sweet. Now, you know, I'll tell you this. No offense to you Duke people out there, but, you know, back then, there's a reason why they made that 30 for 30 that said, I hate Christian Leitner. And I know you played with him, you <laughs> like the guy, but there's a reason why you – it, nothing against him as a person, but when he was on that court, man, I could not pull for him. I could not pull for him whatsoever. Uh, so you, you end up going overseas, playing playing a long career overseas. What? How how hard was that transition playing overseas from playing in the NBA? Well, you know, it's a it's a very it's a very difficult difficult transition because the game is definitely played different in Europe than it is in the NBA. And you know they have there are a lot of different rules there. You can almost you can knock the ball off the rim and different things. So you know it, it was a big adjustment. But for the most part, I was able to work on my skills a lot. The, the European teams they do a lot of shooting and ball handling, and those are the things that I needed to work on. I think if I'd have worked on those things when I was younger, I'd have probably stayed in the NBA longer. Right. Um, there were just some things that I was weak at, and then the fact that I did play power forward in college, and then I had to move to the small forward, which was another adjustment. So, 
you know, those so playing in Europe gave me a chance to really work on my game. The coaches let me have the freedom. And, you know, in the NBA, you probably don't get that a lot, much freedom unless you're a superstar. And, you know, just being in Europe and the freedom, it just made my confidence build. And, you know, I just love it. I think it just matured my game out a whole lot better. And i got to ask you this. When you were in the NBA, you got any good NBA trash talk stores? You ever try to get in a, a big t- trash talking with anybody? Me, personally, no, but I do have a great story where we were playing the Chicago Bulls in Vancouver one night, Uh-oh. and um, I was guarding Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, so if Pippen <laughs> wasn't in the game, I was guarding Jordan. I'm like, oh, oh Lord. Wow. Hmm. Oh, man, so Jordan was, if you hadn't seen the game, boy, Jordan wasn't playing well. He was just, he, for some reason, he wasn't into it. And we had a little guard on the bench by the name of Derek Martin. He kept hustling Jordan. He kept he kept hassling Jordan on the bench. Oh, Mike, you ain't doing nothing tonight. And we were like yelling. All the players were like, yo, leave Mike alone. Yeah. Don't say nothing to Mike. Don't say nothing to him. He don't want to play tonight. Don't say nothing to him. But the little guard kept talking, and Mike looked over at him and said, okay. And I, I can remember him going, he scored 17 points in three minutes, and we ended up losing the game. Oh, you should have known you don't ever trash talk Jordan. I mean, just oh, man. Just him a and time we got on after the, after the game in the locker room, and we was like, don't you ever say nothing to Michael Jordan. If he don't want to play, just let him not play. Uh-huh. And, you know, the little guy just kept talking, and that was the end of that. <laughs> How hard was it that night, Gordon, Pippen, and Jordan? Oh, it was exhausting because Coach was like, oh, you're going to have to play a lot tonight because I'm going to need you to guard Pippen. And Jordan. So when Jordan went out the game, I slide over to Pippen, and I'm like, "Oh my God, he take me to the block." Jordan take me outside. But you know, I, I held my own pretty well that night because I was up for the game. You know, once you know, once I saw it was Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, and I think Dennis Rodman didn't play that night. But man, it, this just made me more even hype, and it was sold out, and we had a chance to knock off the Bulls, but. Like I said, it was it was very difficult to guard both of those guys. You're talking about two of the greatest players in NBA history. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. So I'm going to ask you some quick hitting questions, and then I'll let you go. Toughest, okay. toughest defender, toughest guy that guarded you. Toughest guy I had to guard. Toughest guy that guarded you first, and then we'll get to that one. Hmm. Man, the toughest guy. If it's more I than one, if say, it's more than one, that's fine. I would have to say at that time it was. It, I would say Brian Stiff and Jamal Mashburn. Okay. Jamal, wow. Brian Stiff because he gave me a lot. He got me very tough in college, and Jamal Mashburn in the NBA because he was more. He was heavier, and he just he was just difficult. You know, he was just difficult to score on. Right. For me. Toughest you had to guard? Grant Hill. Oh, yeah. That's a tough one, though. Oh, man. That Grant guy can do everything. Oh, man. Grant Hill in his prime. Oh, man. The crossover, I could not guard it for nothing. I could not guard it. And he was my height, and he could cross that ball over, and I'm like, this guy is going to be tough. Yeah. And he was a tough guard for me, I would say, with Grant Hill. And last but not least, your favorite memory 
in your or you can do it do it doing your college career your NBA career your favorite memory huh. favorite memory will probably be opening night the Grizzlies go to Portland we are probably 20 point underdogs we knock off the Portland Trailblazers <laughs> to start off the inaugural Vancouver season 1-0 we come back home and knock off Minnesota and oh, with my chip in at the brothers, so we start <laughs> off the inaugural season at two and zero as uh, as a as a expansion team. That's probably my favorite memory right there. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, all right, what about your favorite memory at Wake Forest? I got a feeling I know what this is. <laughs> oh man, I had so many great memories at Wake Forest. Um, you know, probably just being able to you know beat Duke twice yeah. and. You know, I think maybe we knocked off North Carolina once. I'm not really sure um, because they were always tough for us. But, you know, just probably beating Duke twice and just, you know, playing in the ACC and just being being at Wake Forest and just enjoying the players I was around. And that's probably the best memory, man. It just all was good to me. I got a chance to play in the ACC, and I was just thankful. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a great, great time for the ACC when you were playing about it. Well, Mr. King, thank you so much for taking your time to, to talk with us today. Love hearing these stories. I always love a guest like you, somebody that will go out on your own a little bit, talk about, talk about, elaborate a little bit and tell us these stories. It's pretty great. It's great to be able to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're very welcome. I appreciate you having me on today. And, uh, I just hope a lot of people understand that, you know, you have to bring your A-game if you're going to play in the ACC, baby. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Always. All right, guys, that's the final score with Mr. Chris King.